evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson, and I'm the Managing Editor of Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's July 19, 2007, and welcome to episode number 34 in our series. Tonight's topic is Facts and Truths from a Top Traditional Publisher, and our special guest will be joining us this hour is Emmy Battaglia of Grand Central Publishing, formerly Warner Books and now a division of Hachette Book Group USA. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Now tonight we're on the line with Emmy Battaglia, Vice President of Grand Central Publishing. She directs the entire range of marketing strategy and activities for the company and all the books on their list. She works closely with the publisher, authors and editors, and with the heads of sales, advertising promotion, account marketing, publicity, and online marketing. Emmy has been in the publishing business since 1984 in various positions at St. Martin's Press, New American Library, Simon & Schuster, and other companies. She helped launch Martha Stewart Living magazine and has earned two awards for excellence from Literary Marketplace, LMP, She has personally worked with many notable authors, including Jack Welch, Kitty Kelly, Michael D. Eisner, Maria Shriver, Bill Gates, David Baldacci, and Brad Meltzer. And even if you don't read books, I bet you can recognize at least two of those names. She is sharing her unique experience of more than 20 years in the publicity side of the business. Her passion is seeing an author deliver their message successfully through the media to book buyers. And now we're going to this week's special guest. Emmy Battaglia. Good evening, Emmy. Good evening. I'm happy to be here. Well, gosh, Emmy, we are so happy to have you here, too, because it's a real honor to have somebody talking to us from a traditional publishing company, and especially a huge one, as the Hatchet Group is. I believe, uh, is it five subsidiaries under the Hatchet Group? Is that what it is, or how many are there? Well, there's uh, Grand Central Publishing, formerly Warner Books. There's Little Brown Book, Little Brown and Company, Little Brown Books for Young Readers. There's Faith Words. We have Orbit. We seem to be growing by leaps and bounds, but I think it's fair to say five and growing. That's great. And first of all, I'd like to know what is your role. And I'm one of two of the associate publishers at Grand Central Publishing, and we're kind of unique in that way that there are two of us with the same title. There's my counterpart, Les Piquel, who functions as the associate publisher in more of an editorial capacity, and I am the associate publisher who is responsible for marketing. And as such, in my introduction, as was said, I direct the entire range of marketing once a book is acquired by Grand Central Publishing. And what that means is that I'm responsible from the beginning from the acceptance of the manuscript through the final production of the finished project. I'm involved in cover decisions. I'm involved in title decisions. Uh, I'm involved in how we effectively market the book to the consumer and to the trade. I work very closely with our advertising and promotion director. I work very closely with our publicity director, and the publicity department reports into me. And I am interested in getting our book into the hands of the widest readership possible. Wow. That's quite a big job, isn't it? It is, but it's actually, (laughs) it's a fun one. And, you know, coming out of the publicity side where I worked for over 20 years, I feel that I'm very qualified in the role of 
marketing books to the widest possible readership in a very com in a very commercial way. Right off the bat here, I want to just straighten out some uh, myths or truths or whatever they are about traditional publishers and large ones like yourself. How much marketing is really done by a traditional publisher? There seems to be some myths and a lot of opinions as to how much marketing a traditional publisher like yourself, a huge group, does for the author. Right. Well, you know, I think Grand Central Publishing is very unique because we are probably one of the smallest of the large publishers, if that makes sense to you. And our list is very marketing and publicity driven. We pretty much do not acquire a book unless we feel that it has a real potential for publicity and marketing. So almost every title without question that we acquire, there's a full marketing and publicity campaign attached to it. Obviously, they vary from title to title, but we do not acquire a book unless we feel confident that we have the ability to market it in you know, its own unique and special way. So we are not the largest publisher by any means. We're one of the smallest of the big ones, but we definitely market every title that we publish, and uh, we try to find a unique marketing campaign for every book that we acquire. Uh, Amy, when you talk about the smaller publishing company, how many books do you actually publish in a year? Number varies from year to year. We probably publish across all imprints about 300 books a year. And by all imprints, I mean within Grand Central Publishing, there are many imprints. We have various trade paperback imprints. We have various hardcover imprints. We have specialty imprints, including a wellness uh, line. We have a business line. There's 300 books all told across mass market, trade paperback, and hardcover titles a year. And this is for Grand Central Publishing only? For Grand Central Publishing only, that's mm -hmm. correct. Okay. With 300 books, you consider yourself one of the smaller publishing divisions then? The smaller of the big ones, yes, absolutely. Yes. yes. Okay. When you talk about a full marketing com campaign, what does that involve? That involves store promotion in terms of uh, co-op uh, placement at the store level. It involves some sort of advertising, not in every case, but in most cases for the book, consumer advertising. There's definitely a publicity component to every book we publish, whether it's a print campaign on through a full you know, author tour campaign. There's store promotions, but it's the advertising, promotion, publicity, and place, placement in the stores. Great. That's quite a big order, isn't it? it I mean, when you've got a new title, what's the process you go through to set the marketing budget? Is there a, a formula, or how does it work? You know, it's not an exact science. When we first hear about a book, it's at a meeting that we call our focus meeting. And that is when most of the company is hearing about the books from the editors for the very first time. After we have that first round of meeting, we then go to a marketing meeting where there's a very small group. It consists of myself. It consists of Jamie Rabb, our publisher. It consists of the advertising and promotion head, the publicity head, uh, the sales and marketing head. And we really kind of wrap our head around what we think from a sales position we're going to get out. And then we think about what is the best way to market and promote the book. And then we work to attach dollars that way. So it may be that we discuss a book and we think, 
this author is terrific. We really think publicity is the way to go. This is the way to sell the book. So we would throw most of our money towards the publicity budget for that book. In another case, we may decide this is a great topic. The author is not terrific. We don't really think that they may be able to promote the book in the best way possible. We may throw more of our money towards the advertising. So there's no really exact formula to it. Obviously, we're looking about how many books we think we can get into the marketplace, and we try to attach dollars that way. But those numbers can shift when we know we have commitments of publicity in hand. So a book that may start out seeming very small or very modest, we may get out only a certain number of copies. If we say this is a great topic for publicity and we know we can get a confirmed Oprah, we can get a confirmed morning show, whether it's Good Morning America, The Tay Show, those numbers it might increase and that may you know, increase our budgets. Okay, so I'm saying there's two parts to it. There's First of all, there's the number of copies that's going to be in the print run and right. media hits that you have in the bag. So that's I'll call that part A. Right. And part B is like the capabilities of the author themselves. Have they right. been on the lecture circuit? Are they, have they uh, been on the lecture circuit? Are they yeah. promotable? Yeah. Do they have a platform? Do they have a website? Do they lecture? Are they really mediagenic? Um, but we have seen many books where the numbers may have seemed small coming out the door, but our publicity director goes out very early on and she tries to get as many commitments from the national shows as she can early out. And what starts out as maybe a 20,000 copy book becomes a 75000 to to $100,000 you know, book out the door because we know that we have a guaranteed Today Show view Oprah, and so that increases our orders. Sure, that makes sense. You know, and that's actually one of our real challenges for our publicity director, and coming from the publicity side, it was always a challenge. Our sales force loves to hear about as much confirmed publicity as possible because that helps them with their selling, which makes sense. Right, so they can pick up the phone, call their counterpart at Barnes & Noble and say, look, we're going right. to be on Oprah in three weeks you want to be there. <laughs> right, or you only took X amount of copies, yeah. and you should know that this author is going to be on national public radio or going to have a front page review in the New York Times book review or is going to be going on a 10-city tour. You need to increase your order. So all of that stuff is very critical as they go to you know, sell in the book and, uh, you know, and as they work to increase the orders. All right, let's just step back for a minute. And so we can understand the whole life cycle of marketing. Let's just suppose that I've submitted my manuscript to an agent, and he's got the attention of an editor at perhaps your account. Right. Uh, what happens next? The first step is if the editor reads the proposal or the manuscript and really feels that there's merit to it, they would come to a meeting called our editorial meeting. And this is when they pitch the book to oh. the collective group, and it includes editors, it includes marketing people, it includes publicity people, and there's a salesperson. And they go around the room, and everybody kind of, you know, it's a very democratic process. They all can, anybody can weigh in about what they think about a particular book or subject. And then the editor really wants to work to get reads for the book. So they will say, how many people are interested in reading this manuscript? And they would get a show of hands. And then those people would go off and read the book or the manuscript. 
the proposal, and then they would come back and they would weigh in. And then at that point, if we still feel that it is a valuable project to the company, we take it to another meeting, which is called edit review, and that is where we really discuss the financial prospect of acquiring this book. Okay. All right, let's suppose that I get the green light and we get some galleys out. How important are the pre-publication reviews and how does that factor into your strategy? You know, the pre-publication reviews are important. I would also say that any blurbs from prominent authors are very important for our selling. But the pre-publication reviews from places like Publishers Weekly and Kirkus and Library Journal, those are important. But just as important as those things for many kinds of books is, you know, a quote or a blurb from an author in that field or another fiction writer or nonfiction writer. Those are very, very important as our reps go and sell the book in. Okay, great. Now, given that you're, you know, juggling around 300 titles a year, how long does the marketing campaign go on after the book starts showing up in stores? You know, you don't want to give a hard and fast number of days to it, but I would say anywhere from the book's publication date till 90 days out, you will know whether a book is really working or not. If a book is really working, you're going to stick with it. If it's not, it may be time that you need to move on to work on other projects. That said, there are many authors who we say the book hasn't worked at a certain level. You know, the author, for whatever reason, whether they're personal or related to their own personal business, will say that they want to continue their efforts. And in many cases, we will definitely support those authors in terms of lectures and speaking engagements and getting books or booksellers at those events. But in terms of real active promotion, I would say the critical window is probably 90 days out from publication. But, you know, that said, there are always second waves, and I'm working currently on a first novel that was published in May, and we are still going strong, you know, with that book through, you know, August and September, and, you know, we will do another wave when the trade paperback is published. Great. So how much do you expect of the author? You obviously have some type of a a plan, let's say author tours and so on, but do you expect the author to actually participate and create their own publicity and marketing? You know, we don't expect an author to create their own publicity. I mean, that is what we expect ourselves to do, but we do expect them to be partners with us in the marketing of the book. And one of the real tools that we have in terms of working on this partnership is a thing called the author questionnaire, which is what we send to authors when we acquire the book. We really want to work in partnership with them. We want to capitalize on and leverage as many of their contacts as possible. If they do speaking engagements, that's great. We want to capitalize on that as well. We don't expect to turn all the publicity and marketing over to them. We expect that we're going to carry the bulk of it. But that said, after a certain period of time, we may need to move on to other projects. And if they want to carry on their efforts because of their own businesses, they can do so, and we will actively support them. So we have many authors who say, you know, I'm an active lecturer. I understand that in terms of my active publicity with a publicist at Grand Central Publishing, it may be over, but I would like your support, and we definitely support them. But we're really working in partnership with them, and we're just trying to leverage as many contacts as they have. 
So then what I'm hearing is really important that the author has some type of a platform. You know, we'd love it if an author has a platform, of course. But if an author doesn't have a platform, but it's a great book, then it's up to, you know, then the challenge is up to us to market and promote the book without it. And that said, we've published many authors and many books where they've had no platform at all. You know, authors that have been big in, you know, other countries, in the UK or what have you, that may have no platform here. And then it's really up to us. But of course, if an author has a platform here, if an author is a contributor to the Today Show, has a column in a newspaper, has a website, all of those are advantageous to us. But it is not, you know, it's not critical or entirely necessary. Sure. What about new authors, new writers that are just budding and how do they get into a large traditional publisher like yourself? If you're t- are you talking about first fiction? First time, first yes, first-time authors. Well, you know, we, we have actually very successfully published many debut novelists. And if I, I mean, if I go back to the day, we were the publisher, you know, of Robert James Waller, the British of Madison County, when we were Warner Books. Wow. <laughs> we were the publisher of Celestine Prophecy. We have published many first novels successfully, as recently as, you know, we published The Winter of the South by Robert Hicks. We've done many authors who have been debut novelists. And the challenge has really been to us as marketers to effectively bring those books to the widest possible audience. And whether that meant having the authors do pre-publication publicity tours as we were selling the book in or working every connection that we had to uh, get print or television or radio interviews. Um, Those were all cases of first novelists that, you know, kind of came out of nowhere, really, and came to very big uh, success. I mean, we were the publisher for Nicholas Sparks' first book, um, The Notebook, which was a first novel. Um, So there are many cases where we have successfully published first novelists. And so how do these first novelists get their foot into the door? Do they have to go through an agent, or are they able to send in a proposal on their own to the editor and the editor take a look at it? Right. For the most part, we accept manuscripts with agents, but there is, you know, there is, there are unsolicited manuscripts. I, I was not at Warner, which it was called Warner then, when we published uh, the Bridges of Madison County. But my understanding of that story was, you know, that came in through what is called the slush pile, you know, the unsolicited <laughs> manuscript pile, and some editor found it there so that's not to say that it can't be found but for the most part if I'm being entirely honest most of the manuscripts that come to us first novels you know unknown authors or otherwise are through through uh, agents agents and are these agents that are established with your company or are new agents able to submit in proposals and you would look at them absolutely I was in an edit review meeting today and there was a proposal that we were very interested in and I believe that we're going to make an offer on, and it was an agent that nobody in the room had ever heard of. So it's not as if we only do business with agents that we know and have worked with. This was a project that we thought was very viable. We thought it was a very exciting project. It was a business project, and nobody had ever worked with the agent, but we were still very enthusiastic about the project. So. Um, a lot of our editors have relationships with certain agents, but that's not to say that an agent that we haven't worked with could not knock on our door and hopefully give us the next big bestseller. That's great. Now, 
You had earlier mentioned that you print 20,000 books. Is that sort of the minimum, or what is your minimum printing for a, a novel? You know what? There really is no hard and fast number. What will happen is once a book is focused and once our salespeople go and sell in the book, then the number is determined. We publish many books that have a print run of less than 20,000. We publish many books that have a print run of more than 20,000. When an editor buys a book, obviously the assumption is of the P&L, you know, the profit and loss statement, is that they're going to sell a certain number of copies. But the reality may be that, um, you know, the marketplace dictates less or more. So no, there's no hard and fast number, unfortunately, because once our sales force goes in, you know, the marketplace tells us what the number is. The number can change based on, you know, variables, including publicity and marketing. And we'll be back with more Authors Access after these important announcements. Are you looking for new ways to promote your book? Why not consider being interviewed live? With the huge impact Internet radio as well as podcasting is making in our society, your voice can now be heard worldwide. Let Juanita at Inside Scoop Live create the necessary steps for you. You will not only receive a web page of your own, but your interview will be available for MP3 download and RSS feed. As well, your interview will be posted on venues such as iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Alley, and the Inside Scoop Live blog. Go to InsideScoopLive.com today for more information. And I'd like to remind all our listeners that our special guest on AuthorsAirwaves.com is Alan E. Smith, author of Unbreak Your Health, The Complete Guide to Complementary and Alternative Medicine. Alan will be reading to us from his new book to be published in September 2007 from Loving Healing Press. That's AuthorsAirwaves.com this week. I've got a question for you, Emmy. Uh, how does the book tour work, and the, what kind of support would I expect from a place like uh, GCP? Well, if we felt that the topic and the author was publicity and author tour driven, we would make a determination about how big we wanted to make that tour. Now, I grew up in, you know, I started doing publicity in 1984, and I remember the heyday of these very big author tours. They were in excess of 20, you know, some cities. The reality of that is that now the marketplace really can't sustain tours of that level. And the, the reason for that being that most of the local media in most of these markets has really dried up. And so 20 years ago, you would have, you know, two morning shows in a market, what have you, and it's not the same anymore. So um, a lot of it is just eliminated and really been uh, supplanted by, you know, national shows that come out of New York or L.A. or Chicago. But that said, if we made the determination that we were going to tour an author, we would figure out what made sense in terms of the number of markets. It could be five markets. It could be 10 markets. It could be 15 markets. And then if you were going on an author tour, what you could expect is that your publicist would book a full 
day of interviews for you, and that would include electronic interviews with television, radio, a print interview. Most times we like our, the print interviews to appear before an author comes into the town because we hope that it generates excitement for what would be an in-store event. It could be an off-site event that is supported by a bookseller who is selling books. But you would expect to be worked from very early in the morning to very late at night. You would do the full complement of radio, TV, and print. And then hopefully you would do a very successful book signing, whether it be in a bookstore or an off-site venue where a bookseller would come in and sell the books. And the print interview would appear before you came into the market to drive people to that event. Okay, so as I understand it now, it would mainly be done for celebrities probably in no, this day and age. No, not necessarily. We've done it for fiction authors, you know, across the board. It's not only celebrities. I mean, when I go back and I think about Nicholas Sparks and his first book, The Notebook, that book, I think it was published in 1996, I want to say, and he went, now I said that, you know, the day of the 20-city tour is wrong. Now I'm going to go and correct myself because... Nicholas Sparks, for his first book, The Notebook, went on a 50-city tour. I mean, they were very small markets, and they were primarily in the South, but he went on a very large tour. And we have authors who are not celebrities that go, you know, on any number of city tours. Um, they might not be ex as extensive as that first tour for Nick Sparks, but um, as long as we feel we can get a full schedule in a market for an author, I mean, there's nothing worse than sending an author to a market and not having them, you know, have a full schedule, and they're just sitting around in their hotel room doing nothing. So we're very careful about the author tours we do and the number of markets that we do, but it's not necessarily only attainable by celebrity authors. Yeah, there's a lot of good nonfiction subjects that really lend themselves to author tours that are yeah. not written by celebrities. Right. <laughs> Okay, I guess that brings me to my next question is, obviously you've done everything under the sun. What are the most cost-efficient marketing tactics that you can use? Cost-effective. Well, you know, the radio interviews are really cost-effective, and especially the ones that are done by telephone. They really don't cost very much money. They're very easy for the author to do. They don't even have to get out of their pajamas, as I like to say. They can <laughs> sit there, and they don't have to worry about getting dressed and looking good, and they're very cost-effective. A lot of the print interviews are now done by phone, which is also cost-effective. You don't need to travel an author to a certain market to get a print interview. Um, utilizing uh, the Internet uh, also uh, can be cost-effective. Um, so those are some ways. But, I mean, definitely radio interviews by by a telephone are very cost effective from a publicity standpoint. Right. Yeah, I've often thought that was the case, but it's nice to hear you confirm it. Right. And very effective because radio is a very effective way of promoting books. Right. Okay. Now, how do TV and film rights sales, if that becomes a possibility, how does that affect the marketing and, and when does that usually enter the picture? Uh, if their TV or film rights are sold to a book, it can be utilized as a marketing tool. If the film rights were sold, we're working on a novel that's coming out in the spring of 08, and it's a first novel. The author is from the UK, and the film rights were sold to Ridley Scott. That's exciting, and we wow. can use that as part of our marketing efforts to try to generate publicity for this author. But, you know, I've been in this business long enough to know that 
So many of these things with regard to film rights and options actually never come to fruition. You know, they're kind of like in this whatever it is. You know, they, they never see the light of day. But yeah. <laughs> if um, a book has some significant film rights attached to it and if it's a very big director or producer, there's a way to get some mileage out of that. I worked with David Baldacci um, on his first book called Absolute Power. At the time, he was an unknown. It was the first novel. He was an unknown. We bought his book for a significant amount of money. His film rights were sold for a significant amount of money. Um, and Clint Eastwood went on to um, produce and direct that film. And we were able to use that to promote the book to the mainstream media. And as a result, he got on to the Today Show twice. He got on once when the book was signed. He got on once again when the book was published. So. Um, you know, there's a way to really capitalize on it, but in many cases, film rights are sold to a project, and for whatever reason, because of the way Hollywood works, you don't really see any significant uptick as a result of it, because things just kind of stay in this limbo, and they don't get produced, or they stall. Emmy, I would um, like to just uh, touch a little on advances, and how do you come up with a figure for an advance to the author? Well, we go to uh, a meeting which is called the Edit Review, which is the second meeting, not the first meeting I talked about. And what an editor will do is they will prepare a profit and loss statement which will plug in numbers and it will say what they want to offer as an advance and how much money, how many books they're going to get out and you know what the other costs involved in marketing the books will be. And you will see with that document, how much money conceivably you should offer for a book based on that and, and still make money. You don't want to lose money for the company. But that said, there are many cases where editors will just take a huge leap because they believe so much in you know the book or the author or the subject that you, know, you really have to take that leap and say, well, this you know, really doesn't make 100% sense, but we need to take the leap and offer more than you know, looks right on this piece of paper, if that makes sense. Yes, it does make sense. So once the decision is made on the advance, and it's basically then, would you just clarify how that whole process works? The author is given an advance, and then what? The author is given an advance. That is theirs, and um, whether the book earns out or not. And at a certain point that the book earns out, then they collect royalties. So, you know, the hope, obviously, is the book is going to perform they're going to earn out their advance, and they're going to recoup on top of it. But, uh, you know, that's basically how it works. They, they get the advance outright, whether the book performs, performs or not. If the book performs significantly, then they're going to, you know, collect their, their royalties on top of that. And uh, so what is the normal royalty percentage? You know what, I'm not, because I'm the marketing as opposed to the editorially driven associate publisher, I'm not really involved in the contracts in terms of the, you know, what the typical royalty is. So I really, I can't answer that question. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's just fine. I noticed that you, um, in, in the introduction to you, you've worked with some very notable authors. And I have. Yes, this must be really exciting for you. And, of course, as budding authors, many of us just would like to have that well-known name. And do you have any pointers for the authors that are just new and coming 
up and you know have written great manuscripts and are just really trying hard to get into the market. Do you have any particular tips that you would like to share with them? You know, I think the best tip is what I said earlier, like work in partnership with your editor and with your publicist. You know, your publicist can really sometimes be your best friend in many cases. You know, try to share as much of your own personal background as it might be relevant to helping promote the book. What You know, if there's some, you know, contacts that you have that can be utilized, you know, go back and, you know, think of every person that you've ever met in your you know, personal, professional life that might be in a position now to help you promote the book, um, you know, call in favors. I also think, you know, being yourself and being real, I mean, I feel the most successful authors that I have worked with have really made the, gone the extra mile in writing notes, whether it be thank you notes. I mean, it is kind of, you know, it sounds cliche to say, but it's kind of a lost art. And I feel that the most successful authors I've ever worked with have been the ones who have written the notes to the booksellers, gone into the accounts and said, hi, I'm Brad Meltzer and I wrote this book and I just want to shake your hand and sign whatever stock and thank you for all you do. Those are the ones that really make the best impression. So making the personal connection I think is very important. So well said. Creating relationships. Absolutely. So, so important. And people really remember it. And when I talk to booksellers, whether it be from Barnes & Noble um, to Borders to any of the, you know, any of the independents, they, they'll tell you, like, so, author so-and-so, he or she is such a great person. I, you know, they've come into my store, they've sent me a note, and those things really go a long way. Um, the, personal, the personal touch really is what it is. Exactly, and that's so, so true. Gosh, Amy, thank you so much for oh, taking thank the you. time. I it. <laughs> We're just delighted to have you here. It's an honor to have somebody from a traditional publisher speaking to us. We have a huge following and a lot of listeners. I know that uh, they're just going to be excited to hear what you have had to say to us. So thank you again. Oh, and thank you both. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. And you've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. We'll be back on the air Thursday, July 26, 2007, when our topic will be how to get celebrity endorsements. And our guest who will be joining us is Jacqueline Marcel of ElderRage.com. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is AuthorsAccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson in Austin, Texas, signing off. For Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening. <laughs> <laughs>